hello. Oh, hello. And welcome back to the Comma Queens podcast. I'm Alex. And I'm Annie. And we're so excited to have you here with us today. We have a lot of exciting things we're wanting to talk with you about, uh, some of which are our favorite moments from stories we've read in the past week, as well as things that maybe have been disappointing to us in the last week, and some things we're excited about. So, Alex, what has had you excited in this last week of releases? So are we starting with favorite moment, or are we starting with excited? Ooh, let's definitely go favorite moment. Okay, so my favorite moment from this past week was from I've Become the True Villainess. Mm-hmm. Now, this is a popular one. We see people talk about it all the time on Reddit. There are lots of opinions, and I love this story. It's so good. In the most recent episode, or maybe an episode back, Rouge has come back into mm-hmm. the story. He's been gone for a while. We have missed him dearly. He has finally come back, and he has come to Syria's defense, Saria's defense, and is going to pay back her brother, who he has just found out tried to kill her by drowning her when they were young. So he takes the brother to the lake and (laughs) tries to drown him for a minute. And I loved it. It was great payback. Finally, our favorite character is back into the story. He is top tier male lead. I love him. We have needed Roosh back for multiple episodes. I know a lot of people in discussion threads have been talking about how this is an extremely slow burn in the novel. I've never read it. I don't I think you've read it. No. Yeah. So we don't have it for reference, but him being gone was like the longest, like three or four episodes. Yeah. Ever. I have completely forgot about the fact that there is another female lead in this story. Well, is she a female lead or a villainess? She's probably the actual villainess, <laughs> but... It's been so long that it's been going down this road and she's been off in another world that I've completely forgotten about it. I don't know if that's what's going to happen next. Now that they're reunited, we're going to get her coming back. Syria is going to have to face her fears of losing Rouge the same way that she lost Callus to the other male female lead. It wasn't that big of a loss. It wasn't a big loss. She definitely upgraded. (laughs) Yeah. It was a definite upgrade. <laughs> but you can see that she has some trauma from that where she doesn't want to get too close to Rouge because she's worried that the same thing is going to happen. She Her primary focus is just how do I survive? Mm-hmm. And I think that she's going to start to move past that and I'm very excited about it. This arc has been so great and wonderful. I love that even though Saria is back with her family, she's never really felt like a Keladin. And so I love the fact that as soon as Roosh was by her side, she realizes she has a place with him. Like whether or not they're staying together and their relationship is super solid, like no matter the different insecurities she has there, like she's a Burke and Roosh is like definitely coming to keep her safe and just in general make sure that Saria's okay. I love it. It's maybe like a little overboard, but we love a protective male lead. We we do. And he is top tier. So Annie, what is your favorite moment from this week? Well, speaking of protective male leads, though I'm sure that there are other words that come to mind, um, I believe that one of the great 
responses to me in the Reddit was that he is the anthropomorphic red flag, <laughs> which I love. <laughs> um, but my favorite moment was in episode 29 that released this week for Betrayal of Dignity. Um, not that this will be surprising. I've mentioned this story a few times, but Duke Thies is one, he's a male lead. That is for dang sure. <laughs> um, I feel like the story has continuously kept me on my toes, but my favorite moment is that in the last episode, he has stuck to his testimony defending Chloe, even though it's a little white lie. He was not with his wife. He knows where she was. He knows she didn't do it. And he has every confidence in her, but he's still like holding his pride and respect in there, making the stable boy make some very specific lies. Um, but ultimately, like, he puts himself and his reputation on the line for Chloe, just kind of proving how much he actually does care about her, even though her last request, ridiculous as it was, saying, like, just make sure the execution is quick and painless. Like, he was like, that's not happening. You're not leaving. Like, you're you're not guilty. This is ridiculous. You're you're not going to be staying in jail. The story he made the stable boy tell, that has to be a pretty petty moment, though. It's so petty. Like, here's the thing. I, I've i shied away from it for a long time, but there's a lot of Duke Thies in me, and so I think it's phenomenal. <laughs> I think that it, he says, he's like, I'll make sure that the stable boy has his punishments for being a peeping Tom or whatever the response was. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I do think that what he made Gilles say in like acknowledging like the Duke and the Duchess are intimate together, like that's their relationship was his own way of being like, stay away from my wife. It absolutely was. It's part of the punishment. <laughs> It was a very thinly veiled threat. Yes, thinly veiled threat. You could see like literally in the panels following when the Duke is responding to what Gilles just testified. He's so proud of himself. Like he's standing taller and literally smiling. And I love it. And I love that he had this like right here evidence knowing who it was on the outside, but kept that hidden just being like, no, I have my own proof. And still made Gilles testify, even though he could have just turned in the evidence and like, obviously it was this person. <laughs> so overall, Duke Thies just always continues to amaze me as the most amazing anthropomorphic red flag. Thank you, Reddit user, for that being my favorite term ever. Um, but yes, highly recommend. If you have not read episode 29, it might be your favorite moment too. It was a good moment. So Alex... What has had you the most disappointed this week? So this is disappointing, not in the storyline, because Mm -hmm. the story is beautiful, but my most disappointing moment this week was Secondo Piatto, purely because it is the end. We have completed the series, no bonus chapters, no side story, no epilogue which I would love all of. I would take all of those. I want to see them go grocery shopping. Yes, living their happy life together. I want to see them move in together. I want to see all of the happily ever after stuff Mm -hmm. that we're not going to get to see. And it's just a bummer because they are one of my favorite couples. They're so cute. And I just love their relationship. And I love Hyun Wook. He is 
one of my favorite male leads. And yeah, I'm just sad that it's over. The ending was good. It was a good ending. It was a good close to the story too. Like it's not like it felt rushed Mm. or it didn't wrap up well. So I'm not disappointed in the story. I want to make that perfectly clear. (laughs) I'm just disappointed that I don't get to keep reading it on Wednesdays. I know. I will say it was so disappointing to see like that blue button as soon as that blue completed just pops up in that top left corner. It makes me so upset. It like breaks my heart. (laughs) But I will say a lot of the stories that I've read, I feel like the ending is so rushed. You don't get to see like their happily ever after or at least like feel like they found the stability in their happiness. Mm -hmm. Like it's very much like oh, we've gone through all of this turmoil through like over all of these chapters. And then there's like one episode showing that they're happy in the end. Not to call out like any specific stories, but like Savor the Taste was kind of like that. Mm -hmm. And that just completed also. And it's not that it necessarily ruins the story, but you almost are left feeling like you wanted more. I will say, I think Secondo Piatto did like a good job. They had a few episodes of cool down. Mm-hmm. I'd say like six or seven maybe of just seeing them genuinely happy and kind of like wrapping up their past upsets and everything to show that they've really grown and moved forward and they're in a good place in their life, like stably. And I think that's great, but it is so disappointing <laughs> that it can't just continue forever. So I completely understand and agree with you. <laughs> So I know you considered that as your dis- most disappointing moment also, but then went with something else. So I would have to say, like, in that same vein, and maybe it's just because the stories are so similar, I would have to say my most disappointing this week was Shape of Sympathy. It's in the third episode, or it's in the third epilogue episode, mm-hmm. and... I think, like, just when you have the storylines that are so similar, I mean, they're both couples that started because they were obsessed with a different married couple, like each party of the married couple. And like, you can see those couples and you can kind of compare them. Mm -hmm. Like I just look at Yuri and Sianwu and I see no growth at all. Like I don't see that happy ending. I don't see any stability coming in because they've basically both look at each other and said, it's okay that you're broken You don't have anything to work on for yourselves, even though they are very much like they took a week of space, I think they said. And then they're immediately back together when one is like obsessive and on the verge of a complete mental break. And the other has done like no work on themselves. They're not moved past their their past love interests. And it's just like it always feels like for that couple, there's a barrier. I just like want to see them happy. I know that it's not like a happy story. I know it's a drama, but I guess because it's right there with Secondo Piatto and we have so much closure and you just feel good for the characters in Secondo Piatto, when you look at the characters in Shape of Sympathy, it just makes you upset that they can't be in a similar space because everyone deserves to be happy and they're obviously not in like a good, healthy space together. So... I, yeah, I agree. And I also was disappointed by Shape of Sympathy this week, which is surprising because I love Shape of Sympathy and I have given so much space to that story of just 
I love the sadness about it. Like it is just a tragic story. And I just feel like the art matches the pace of the story so well. And just overall, it's really well done. Mm -hmm. But I am at the point where there is no growth in the characters. And I was really hoping that when they separated... Mm -hmm. that they would get that growth and then come back and grow together. And now being three episodes into the epilogue, it does not feel like we're going to get it. And I'm definitely disappointed in that. But I don't know. I'm definitely going to keep reading it and see if it gets, if they do have some happiness. I don't know if they're going to. It's not a happy story. It's not a happy story. It's definitely the more depressing version of Secondo Piatto. It really is. So it is interesting, though, that we both picked the same storyline this week (laughs) as our most disappointing moments. For very different reasons. For very different reasons. (laughs) And Alex, I guess my question for you. So after talking about what we're disappointed about, what our favorite moments are, What just has you giddy with excitement? What are you anticipating the most? Now, this was a very hard decision for me because two of my most favorite stories are coming back from hiatus. One being No Moral Mm -hmm. and one being Traces of the Sun. Yeah. Both of those I absolutely love and... It was hard to pick which one's my favorite or which one I'm most excited about. Yeah. But I decided that I'm most excited about Traces of the Sun. Reason being because I've read the No Moral novel. So I kind of know what's going to happen next. Mm -hmm. Where Traces of the Sun, I have no idea what's coming up. So I'm very excited. Yeah. So Traces of the Sun is coming back, I think, in four, maybe five days. So a couple. Exciting. Maybe less than that. It's probably less. <laughs> Four days. I just counted. <laughs> <laughs> so, where we have left off, Yisian has taken... He's in, eaten poison mm-hmm. from Hyeon's brother. And trying to get Hyeon to give up his power, basically. Yeah. And Yisian doesn't immediately go and tell Hyeon about this. He like goes and suffers in silence and kind of uses this as his moment of, I'm just going to let this happen Mm -hmm. and this is going to be the end for me, which is very, very sad. And we don't want that for him. We want him to have growth and he's such a good character. Um, And so he misses a party that the whole team is having. Mm -hmm. And when that happens, they notice, okay, we ha- something's wrong. We have to go and find Yisian. So Hyeon goes with, I think, the rest of the team, and they find him. And he's, like, got blood all over him from the poison. And Hyeon finds out about the poison and talks to his brother about it. And then his brother is like, if you give up your power to the company and you let me be the president Mm -hmm. of the company, then I will give you the antidote. And so Hyeon, to my surprise, not to your surprise, (laughs) has to consider if he's going to do it or not. I thought it was a no-brainer. It was not, (laughs) but he does do it. And then everything kind of calms down a little bit. Mm -hmm. Yisian goes back to the hospital or goes back somewhere. might have been his room. Um, And then he 
when he comes back, he wants to go and apologize to Hyeon. And so he goes to apologize to Hyeon, and Hyeon says, I comforted you when you were upset, so now is your time to repay me and comfort me now that I'm upset. And that is where it's left off. It has been, I would say, a month or two. Oh, it's been months. It's been months. It's definitely been more than a month. A couple months, at least, Mm -hmm. that we have been waiting to see what happens next. And I am just so excited for this story to come back. I know. It's a really great story. I know you tried to get me into it for a really long time. And you had started it way before me. And I had gone into it. You were so obsessed with Kayon. You're like, he's the best. He's he rented my- a bakery. <laughs> he did all these things. And I like have never been so convinced. <laughs> like, he's a good character. There are like definitely redeeming qualities. But I love Yiseon. I love how tender-hearted he is, how much he cares about his friends, like just how much he pours into everything that he does. And then I see Hyeon and I'm like, he doesn't deserve Yiseon. Yiseon's such a good person. <laughs> and so it, it's a really interesting cliffhanger. I think it'll be interesting to see if this is growth for their relationship or if this really is a snag of Yiseon being like, those feelings have to come from like a place of being genuinely interested in doing that. And I'm not. And who knows? I don't know. We'll see. I think Hyeon does genuinely have feelings for Yiseon though. He just Mm -hmm. doesn't know how to express himself because he never grew up with a family that loved him. Yeah. He didn't grow up in that supportive environment. Yeah. So how are you supposed to give what you didn't get? Yeah. I mean, you can. You can. You can. I'm not saying you can't, but I think that that's like part of the character that they've developed here for him is like, they have all the flashbacks of, his life where his brother tried to have him killed when he was younger. And so you can see why he struggles to trust people. Maybe he has trust issues. Maybe he's got a few trust issues in there. (laughs) No, I think that it's definitely great character design. I'm interested to see how it starts back up and it's less than a week. So hopefully everyone else is just as excited as you are. So, Annie, what are you most excited for? So I tried really hard to narrow this down to one selection, but there are too many exciting things happening. And so I was going to pick like, oh my gosh, so many of our series ended on cliffhangers. I can't decide what my favorite moment is. And then ultimately, I narrowed it down to two. (laughs) So in the spirit of things returning back from hiatus... The Dilettante is actually coming back for its second season, which is so exciting. And I know you haven't read it, but where we've left off, Hana Lee, who basically works as like her own private detective, is trying to find her brother. This has been the entire mission. She got word that he was killed in a mission. And then she got this mysterious phone call where she could hear breathing in the background and knew it was her brother. She goes, he's not dead. I need to find him. So she kind of goes ad hoc. She's like, I'm just going by myself. I'm finding him. And I mean, so much other stuff ensues. You have like these other people who have worked, you know, with her investigations before who are like coming in and helping her, but who are also seeming to be kind of suspicious. And she's unraveling just these huge webs of lies and deceit. 
in like all of these different government organizations, crime organizations, etc. And then she gets mixed up with this mafia boss, which I love. <laughs> and his name is Giulio Parenti. He is suspected to be like basically one of the main suspects in the brother's disappearance. And instead, he ends up basically offering his help. And you find out that someone's been impersonating him. And he's just like, okay with it. He's like, I mean, everyone expects me to do bad things. It's whatever. He is instantly obsessed with Hana. He joins in with like getting her into all of these, you know, like very rich events, things like that. So she can do her undercover investigations to help her find the brother, etc. Not so much for free. He's definitely like trying to make advances at her, etc. And she like kind of reciprocates mostly because she's like, this is basically a business transaction. I have to make him think I'm interested. So he'll keep helping me, etc. And so where we're left off in season one, there is an actual moment where Julio was drugged, but the drug that was given to him was basically like an aphrodisiac. <laughs> and he's like, you need to leave because like this would be improper and I don't want you getting involved in something you don't want. And she has this internal dilemma and she decides to stay. So <laughs> leaves off in a very steamy cliffhanger. So excited for it to come back. Mostly because I love the, like, good cop, bad cop vibes that it gives off. And overall, they're just great characters. Highly recommend you catch up. Alex has not read this one. I will be catching up before it comes back out. Yeah, you've got, like, a couple weeks. Oh, then I've got plenty of time. So, yeah, plenty of time. <laughs> we're, no, we're no newbies. We can binge a series in a couple days. I've been known to binge a series or two. <laughs> Now, whether or not it's healthy, that's a different conversation. <laughs> but also, in that same vein, I am so, so excited about one of these coming soon, series, coming soon series on Manta. It's called May God Bless Your Demise. A lot of times, like, I'll add series to the list just because I'm like, I could read this. It's easy to start the series when it's first coming out, etc. But... This one has just really gripped me. It's a mystery romance, so kind of in the same vein as the dilettante, but with such an interesting summary that I'm going to force you to listen to. <laughs> and so the summary is listed as, Andy enjoys her idyllic life of reading and embroidering on Cullinan Island, but everything changes when she's selected as the companion to Kylik, the enigmatic heir of House Blackwell. As their bond grows, extraordinary events unfold, unraveling Cullinan Island's long-kept secret. Ooh. So, I love a thriller. I love a romance. Put them together, and it's kind of perfect. I think that this is going to be, like, the dilettante a little bit. Maybe kind of, like, winter wolf vibes, which also has me very excited. And so I'm just really excited because this isn't, like, a pairing I see often, Usually it's a lot of like fantasy romance, etc. And so I think the mystery and the thriller aspect here is going to be really exciting and something fresh for me to read. Yeah, I'm excited about that one too. I just saved it to my list as Good. you described it. <laughs> so I'm glad I could be so convincing. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, thank you so much, everybody, for joining us today, listening us to listening to us talking about all of our favorites, all of our most disappointing moments, etc. 
We hope that some of these moments were your favorites also. And if you haven't read some of the series, we'll be sure to link them for you so you can read them as well. And let us know what your most exciting moments are, what you're most excited to see, or what you've been most disappointed by recently. Yeah, we would love to hear it. We love talking with everybody on the Manta Reddit. We love just chatting in general. So feel free to join in on the conversation and share what's going on in your webcomic world. But thank you so much for joining us, and we hope to talk to you on the next one. Goodbye. Bye.